<laughs> all right, Danielle. <laughs> this is so what's up. What's up? What's up? Uh, what's up? This, what's up? Uh, this is gonna be. This is gonna be an hour where we just parody old Budweiser commercials. Oh, sweet. So I hope you're ready. <laughs> I'm trying to. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Down. Hello and welcome to Talking Too Loud with Chris Savage. Happy 2023. Happy 2023. There it is. <laughs> Hi, Sylvie. Here Hi, we Savage. are. We're, We're here. Back. Yeah. Back, baby. New year. New year. New, We've done it. New year. Congrats. Congrats to you. Thanks. I'm excited for both of us to be back. I'm excited to be recording. I'm excited to have topics and guests galore coming. And there's <laughs> a lot, a lot of fun stuff going to be happening in 2023. Yeah. And we're kicking things off with a good one today. Good episode. We sure are. Today we have Danielle Zimmerman, who is the VP of Customer Success here at Wistia. Danielle and I talk all the time about this. She came into Wistia and helped us scale customer success from nothing. Um, and in this episode, she's going to go into, you know, what is customer success? How do you do it well? How do you make a customer-centric organization? How do you manage through lots of change and, you know, talk about what's happening in the world today? So this is a good one. I'm excited about this one. It's a good one. It's a good one yeah. for 2023. It is. So we've got a lot going on, but you and I have both been on a little bit of a vacation. A little bit. So I got to I got to ask, how were <laughs> things? What got you talking to that on the vacay? Um, talking to a lot about so many things on vacay. Mm-hmm. I went to Canada to no. Saskatoon. No. Saskatoon so cold up there. Wow. It was so cold. Yeah. I have not experienced cold like that. Like Went to take off my glove to take a photo of a pretty lake. Couldn't a do it. A pretty lake. That's the name of it? No, it was just a pretty lake. Oh, a pretty lake. Okay. <laughs> or a You know, river. pretty lake. Oh. You know, it was a river. <laughs> it was a river. Are you, do you keep doing matter. Canadian accents? What the are you body doing? of water. <laughs> okay. No, but actually. <laughs> you keep saying I, no. <laughs> no, I, I, something happened to me when I was there. And now I have come back with a slight Canadian accent. And I yes. I, I hear it. It's true. You I hear it? Noticing yeah, absolutely. I <gasps> thought you were making a joke. I'm not. Something's wow. happening. I don't know that this is ever... I don't know that anyone has ever had like a contagious accent. I hear it and I don't know what to do. So that has that me is, talking too loud. That is a hilarious problem. I, you, you, but you know, where did it... I can't even say you know because I'm gonna be like you know. That where did it come Canadian. from? That one didn't. Well, we know where it came from. It came from Saskatoon. No, I know, but like, how did it happen? That was it. Are you kidding me? Just I don't then? know. <laughs> oh, this is remarkable. I have never seen anything like this. I feel like we're in the Matrix right now. I, I feel like I am. Is this a simulation? <laughs> <laughs> a simulation where. Everything went haywire, an AI with an error rate for accents. Honestly, I think I was around three people who had really thick Canadian accents for like four consecutive days and was just being kind of inundated with accent. Floored I know you're floored. This. I'm floored. It just happened again. Every time you say no. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. We got to pivot. We got to move on okay. to what's got you talking too loud. I oh I had a very relaxing vacation. It was lovely. No um, new accents, clearly. No new accents. Spent some time in that inflatable hot tub. Worked out great. It does struggle when it's really cold out, like mm, when it's like mm, ten fifteen mm. degrees. 
you don't have long when you get in there. It heats <laughs> yeah. up, but it's doesn't I'm like, stay does hot for it long. struggle or do you struggle? I see. It doesn't it stay. It starts hot. struggling, and if you stay long enough, you start struggling. <laughs> got it, got it. Um but it was lovely. And then today, as you know, I was just, we had this hackathon. I love hackathons so you much. I love a hackathon, man. I love a hackathon. I just love seeing, if you don't have to worry about scaling something, you don't have to worry about the, the user signups, you don't have to worry about all these, like how do you launch to customers? You just make the thing as fast as possible. What can you make? And this one was themed all around AI, like there's so many new AI tools come out left and right. Where can we deliver the most value for customers using this stuff? And it was mind blowing. There was some stuff that my job was just, I knew what it was going to be, but actually seeing it working, like my job was just on the floor. I As was that. the grid, the grid of everyone in Zoom was just like, like Does, this is actually is it company wide. Uh, this one was product design engineering. Like they were full time on it. Some other folks were involved but they demoed to everybody. And every once in a while we do them like full company-wide and shut down everything as well. But this is one of those. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. You're just like, yeah, it's a creative playground and then you get to like take stock of everything. Yeah, well, I'll tell you one example that was like pretty wild, which was a team made a tool. And if you're listening, you're with your customer, I cannot promise it's gonna come out, okay? So this is how it is with hackathons. But they made a tool where you take your logo it animates the logo and it generates music for it. So it's like a stinger to put at the beginning of an episode of something. Oh, that's amazing. And it generates the music based on like images. There's this thing called, I'll just say the words for anyone who knows you can look it up. Stable diffusion, which is like this image generative AI thing for images. And someone made this thing called refusion where you take the, uh, you take like a, I think it's called a uh, stereogram, stereographic. You basically take an audio file and turn it into a visual image and they train the AI and the visual images. And then they had, once they did it, they create new images that actually represent audio. So like Dang. they took like, you know, kind of like uh, Sonics for like little stingers and they made like the Netflix thing yeah. or the HBO one. They, they like yeah. did that and trained it on that. And then you take your logo and animate your logo and like play That's this like music. That's amazing. It was so cool. And just like seeing these things collide and happen so fast was so motivating. It was really cool to see. Wow. Well, yeah. now, you know, Danielle Zimmerman's team might have to get on this. They might have to know what stable diffusion is and refusion because Wistia might be launching something. Well, hopefully, know. you know, hopefully it's all, you know, it's, we make it, keep it easy. It's simple in the product, <laughs> but yes, she is going to be here right now to talk to us about how do you make customers successful? What is customer success? How do you build a better, more thoughtful customer centric organization? Let's do it. Hey, Danielle. Hey, Chris. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah. So we know each other pretty well. Obviously, you're the, the VP of Customer Success here at Wistia. Thank you for coming on the show. Excited to be here. We're going to kind of open up one of the types of conversations you and I have all the time and put it into the podcast. And hopefully, we can deliver some value for the, the loud talkers out there. Uh, that's the audience. Um, and, uh, <laughs> okay. We're going, I'm on a high. As I said, I'm on a high right now. Sylvie's like, you're ruining everything. You're peaking. Um, 
So it's downhill from here. The, well, we want to start with the classic question, Ooh. what's got you talking too loud? So Danielle, what has you talking too loud right now? What has me talking too loud? I am obsessed at the moment. Over vacation, I binge watched a lot of TV. And the thing mm-hmm. that's got me going right now is uh, that show with Chris, Chris Hems, is it Hemsworth? Helmsworth? Limitless? Limitless. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, oh, I know. A show oh, I yeah. would never thought that I would watch. And it happened to catch me on a good night. Yeah. And Ben watched the whole thing. And I was yeah. I was blown away. I was mesmerized by this whole series. Um, yeah. Like just watching someone of his physical health and appreciation of that. Yeah. <laughs> who is yeah. really yeah. worried about, you know, about uh, making sure that he can live a really long life and stuff and being concerned, uh, you know, what are the things that he needs to do to, to do that? And so I love each episode handles a different issue. First one's around sort of like stress proofing your life. And so they put him into these crazy yeah. uh, situations where he's, you know, where he's got to kind of figure it out, whether he's like on a crane passing these chasms and stuff um, at these high, high levels on a tightrope. <laughs> and uh yeah, it's crazy. So they're like giving him tools, you know, the whole time to help him figure it out. But the thing that drove me that was really cool was the end of it. The episode is acceptance, right? Yes. That was a wild episode. Wild. Yes. So all about completely like completely different. I gotta watch yeah. this. Yeah. I gotta watch this, guys. Yeah. You have to. You have to for multiple reasons. I was watching it and my seven-year-old Zoe saw it and she thought it was so cool. Wow. And so she just sat, sat there and watched it with me. And I don't think she really understood the like <laughs> elongating life thing. But then I caught her with her cousins and she's like, we should watch Limitless. What? And her cousins are like <laughs> eight, nine, five. And so there's like four children aged four to nine watching that show. I'm dying to funny? know what was fa- like, what did she find so fascinating? I think the challenges thing, and actually this is really one of those crazy things. Like the first episode when He's on the crane, right? And he's like, I'll say 10,000 feet up. That's incorrect. But he's very high up. Chris Hemsworth is very high up. He has to walk on this crane. And one of the things they teach him is like basically talking to yourself and giving yourself encouraging words. And that it can actually break you free of stress. So I took Zoe uh, skiing for the first time over the vacation. And she was stressed a little bit. And I was going down on my first run with her on the bunny hill. And she's like, you could do this, Zoe. You can do this, Zoe. She's like literally saying it out loud. And I swear to you, it came from that show. So cute. That's amazing. It was cool. That is. Let's go, Thor. I know. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I think we should spend the next 40 minutes talking about this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So can you explain to folks who don't know what it is, um, what is customer success? And... Why should why should companies do it? Why should B2B companies do it? Yes, super good question. Yeah, customer success, you've heard me uh, talk about this before. Customer success is simply helping your customers be successful mm. <laughs> with your product in a nutshell. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> and I, I put it that broadly because um, a lot of times in, uh, in SaaS businesses specifically, you've got specific functions that are called customer success, right? Um, who focus on, um, you know, customers buy from you once they've bought, particularly in a subscription-based model where a customer generally had, you know, every month or every year, uh, depending on your model, they have the opportunity to essentially reassess their relationship with you. Am I getting the value that I want? And they have the opportunity at that point to say, you know, yay or nay, you're not, which is very different than the old world 
if you guys remember the, you know, you get a disc in the mail, like Adobe, right? Photoshop, you get a disc. You bought that outright. Yeah. And, and then, then you it's liked done. it or not. Yeah. Maybe you wouldn't yeah. buy yeah. more. It's done. It's right. done. That's it. <laughs> but the whole the whole subscription-based model is the thing that really kicked off customer success um, as, as a function in things. But, but I very much uh, believe, and there are lots of folks that do uh, as well out there, this customer success is not just the job of a customer success team, right? If you're doing it really well, helping your customers be successful with your products is something literally everyone in your company contributes to in a really meaningful way. Um, and I think that's the bit that has historically been so fascinating and interesting to me as more and more of the world becomes, I mean, everything is subscription-based now. So this is just becoming more and more of, uh, of a thing and of a, of a need. Um, but at the end of the day, that's really what it what it is. And you're, you know, kind of consulting and helping your customers be successful with your product, get more value out of it. There's a lot of education that goes into yeah. it as well, um, post-sale. Um, and it allows you to build a relationship with your customers and uh, and for your customers to build a relationship with your brand in a really meaningful and deep way that that you weren't able to do prior to in quite the same way. Yeah. And you said something there that I don't even know if we've talked about on the podcast, but one of the things I think is very true, you and I have talked about for sure, is like in that subscription model, when someone buys, they're not just buying for what the product is today. Like that's the, they're actually buying for what it will be. And so it's like, how will the product evolve and how will I be supported? Yep. Indeed. And we see right a ton in our data that like, that's one of the reasons why people pick Wistia is because of the support that they get after they sign up. And so it's just interesting because I think like it's really easy to not think about it and just to take it for granted. But then also I think it, it often is like the insights that we're gaining from those interactions end up influencing a lot of things across the business. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the cool things uh, about customer success is you are because your whole job every day, every all day <laughs> is to talk to customers and understand what their needs are, um, what's going on in their world, in their industry, and not just their current needs, but sort of their future needs. Where are they taking their business? What are some of the you know uh, future gaps and things that they think they'll have? And as you do this, you're getting a ton of really deep insights um, around the why they're requesting certain features. So not only are you getting that um, direct feedback about, hey, this could be better in the product, or we could really be leveraging you know, XYZ feature, you're getting the why behind it that matters so much. And then being able to take that and share that with the product organization um, and your marketing organization to fill in those gaps. Um, is just is huge. And it's hugely energizing, to be honest, for a customer success team, for sure. They've been jazzed about, you know, all the stuff that's getting released in the products um, helps them do their jobs a lot, a lot better. Yeah, it closes the loop, right? It's like the feedback, and then yeah, it goes into the sure. product, and then it comes back. And then it, it's like that, that heartbeat of data that allows us to actually understand where customers are at today. Um, and I think, I think a lot about it because it's like, as we have become even more customer obsessed in the last couple of years and you could yeah. see it right. in all the conversations, all the stuff, but it comes from that, that heartbeat of like, what is happening with successful customers? What do they need next? Yeah. I mean, and think about the other thing that it does for your customer base is think about the trust and the deepening in the relationship that they have. When they have given you feedback, they've been honest and vulnerable with you to share their feedback. They see that come back at them. That is building a ton of 
credibility and trust and just deepens their relationship with your with your brand and with the folks on the team. Okay. Now let's go to like where we are today. Um, the tech market's changed a ton in the last six months. We've gone from easy breezy times to like, uh-oh, like uh, recession, you know, downturn, you know, our customers going to cut costs, what's going to happen. Can you talk us through how do you think folks should be looking at customer success through this lens? Like with this, a big uncertainty happening in the market, what should we do? What should everybody do to be ready? Yeah. I mean, the, the major thing that, that folks are focusing in on right now in this kind of a market is it's going to be harder for folks to acquire new customers, right? A lot of folks are, you know, holding their dollars. They're not looking to buy more new stuff by and large, but they're trying to get the the value out of the existing investments that they have, whether that's in humans or whether that's in the products that they're that they're leveraging, right? And so at this time, there's a huge emphasis on making sure that you're able to effectively communicate to your existing customer base um, the value and the ROI that they're getting in the investment that they already have. And so that's why you're seeing um, you know, out there in the market a huge emphasis and shift uh, right now on how do we retain and delight our existing customer base such that they grow and expand uh, with us. Um, it's not to say new doesn't matter, but it's going to be harder <laughs> for, for us to get in things. And so it's prudence for everybody to be focusing in on that part of the journey. And the thing that's really cool about that to me is it's not the benefit of it goes well beyond uh, once we get outside of this current financial situation, because when you've gotten really good at listening to your customers and centering around them and understanding their needs through this motion, when we all come out of this recession, it is, it's going to pay dividends in the word of mouth, right? Um, and that core foundation that you've built to help bring in new customers when that starts kicking back up. Yeah, I, I would. I, it also seems like one of the things your teams are doing is like the speed of insight from those conversations. I, I'm finding like really helpful in this moment. I'm sure you are too, but like when they're coming back saying like, hey, this thing really is valuable. They want more of this specific thing as product teams are pivoting to try to figure out what to do and what to work on. It's obviously gonna be the things that drive the most value for customers, save the most time, save the most costs, like as people's buying decisions shift. But actually having the actual customer with a quote who is, you know, using the thing makes those decisions a lot easier. And I, I think about it because also for Wistia, we've had support forever, but we haven't had customer success forever, right? It's been like a relatively new thing. Piggybacking off of that, like what is the secret to sort of that proactive communication that you were kind of outlining? Because that feels like a way trickier piece than, you know, I have a problem and I'm going to call you or I'm going to email you. This is like really you, the customer success team is generating that engagement. Yeah, for sure. So a lot of it starts off ideally kind of out of the gate when you're, you know, when a customer signs on uh, with you starting out of the gate to build that relationship and helping them get up and running with that product. Um, at that at that point, you're learning about them, right? You're learning what is your use case? What are you hoping to do? Um, you're strategically planning with them. You know, you're looking out at the next year. In, in our case, what are your, uh, you know, your video needs over the next year? What are you looking to do? What are some of the projects that you've got going on? 
So you start that, that relationship early on. And by knowing those things about the customer as a CSM, they know what's coming out in the products. They know content and things that, that is available that's going to help them do that. And so they're able to proactively share that bit of content. Hey, I think this article would be really meaningful to you. You mentioned that you're trying to spin up a project on XYZ. I think you, this is really going to help you be able to speed that up. Or, hey, we just built this wicked cool thing in the products. I think your teams could really benefit from this. Let's jump on a call and I'll walk your team through how to, how to get the most out of this. Um, so it's really knowing, you've got to know your customer in order to have that proactive outreach and that proactive motion. That said, that that's a very manual way of uh, delivering customer success. You can do that in a scaled fashion um, through data and being able to have systems in place that um, trigger, you know, based on certain customer behaviors. Uh, I can see if the, Chris is smiling. He's starting to geek out. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I am. You, yeah, of course. <laughs> Oh, yeah. 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 You could start. This gets into some AI stuff, right? Uh, being able to being able to kind of know what your customers are uh, doing in your product, what content they're leveraging and things uh, to then be able to kind of drop in at the right moment to help just nudge them along their journey such that, again, that they're getting the most value from your from your platform. So there's multiple ways that you can tackle it, both from a human led motion but also in a more automated uh, way that helps you as a business scale in an efficient way without sacrificing the experience. Yeah, as you're saying that, that, I mean, I was smiling for a bunch of reasons. AI, of course, no. But uh, but also, <laughs> I was thinking about how, like, I think a lot of people would be shocked. You assume you go to a website, you're going to use it. I'm going to keep it on SaaS. You go to a website, SaaS website. Oh, some this product looks cool. Someone told me I should use it. Yeah. I think it might solve my problem. You scan some text, you, you watch a video or two, you're convinced to sign up, you sign up, you go in, and then you do nothing. And that is so much more common than people would ever possibly imagine. And sure. it is like, why, why? Why is someone doing nothing? And you, you know, yeah. I would like the world-class numbers on a freemium product or something like, like a paid conversion rate is something totally free. It's like four percent, five percent of a cohort. I think lower, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and but so just thinking about that in terms of like, so what's happening? What like are they confused? Do they know why they signed up? Do they know what the product is? Are they ready to solve oh, yeah. a problem now or is it going to be in the future? All of these questions and a lot of like scaling a business is understanding those answers. It's just like, why are they signing yes. up? Like do they, like in our case, do they have video already or not? Are they trying to make it? Was Wistia recommended to them? Was it not? Have they used it before and they're really confident with it? And that's why they just paid because they know they're gonna, their company is going to start using it or they have no clue what's going on. And people are in all these different spots. And some people will only do it if someone helps them, like a human being. And some people yeah. will never, ever dare respond to, a, to the idea right. of talking to a human being. And so it's, oh, and so sure. this is, it's this like data, <laughs> a customer experience challenge. And I was just smiling because it's like, yeah. it's like, it's kind of remarkable until you're that in that position to realize just how much there is like poking around this stuff and trying this stuff. And you can have two people with the, basically the same email address, like they're from the same company. And one person is literally signing up just for a meta reason to like, look at your onboarding flow. They are never to use the product. Yep. 
but they upload five videos in our case. And someone else is going to sign up, no videos, same company, but they've used us before and they're about to be a giant account. And you can't, it's like, how do you tell the difference? Yeah. That's the fun bit though. I think it that's is the fun what's bit. gotten so, yeah. it is. Yeah. It is the fun bit. And again, it crosses, everybody's got a stake in it, right? It's marketing, it's product, it's yeah. CS, it's sales. It's all of that coming together to figure that that out. And it's only the direction that, it, you know, it's moving in that direction more and more where there are more of the folks that are like, I don't want to talk to somebody. <laughs> I want you to make your experience so simple for me and seamless that I can that I can do this on my own as more and more folks are tech savvy. I'm aging well, myself by even just saying that statement there. Yeah, no, yes. These no, whippersnappers but- <laughs> these days in the computers. Well, I mean, so we had this hackathon today, right, at Wistia. And people were using a bunch of cool AI tools and using it across the product. And someone said, I was looking at these two different options. I'm not going to say what they were to do this one thing. This one, I could sign up and use it myself. This one, I had to talk to someone. So obviously, I didn't do that. And I did the, I did the first. Yeah. And as they said that, I was laughing to myself. There's an engineer who said this. And I'm like, we don't even know. Is the second, the second one could be way better. But like yeah. the, the way that you interface with it, has caused this person who is a decision maker is going to show this thing in front of the entire company not to use it. And yeah. it's just like those expectations and getting them right is so important. It can be such a huge unlock. So let's let's also talk about that. Like in all of this messy world that we're talking about and you have human beings who are, we'll focus on that part, who are trying to help customers be successful. Like how do you know that they're doing that? Like, how do you, how do you measure it? How do you understand through this mess of stuff that it's actually working? Yeah. Good question. A uh, few different ways. So uh, literally you can measure customers' uh, satisfaction, right? So we do surveys and things and your customers will give you the feedback on how good of a job you're you're doing or not. Um, and they're often very, very honest, which is great. Sure are. <laughs> you- <laughs> so sure feedback are. is a yeah, gift. It, it sure is. is. But you got to listen though, right? So they'll give you that feedback, but it's listening. So a way that uh, to measure that is, you know, uh, an NPS score, for example, is a way that you can measure it. CSATs, uh, which are customer um, satisfaction surveys. Those are another way to, to measure it. From a business perspective, the other way to, uh, to measure it is retention, right? Mm-hmm. The, the number of folks that are staying with you, uh, that's a really good sign that you not only have a sticky product, but that the experience is great. If they're growing with you, so we look at things like net revenue retention, for example, uh, in the customer success world is probably the anchoring metric that we use. And the reason that we do is because it measures at the end of the day, are your customers staying with you and are they growing with you? Because the presumption there, obviously, is that they're getting value from you on an ongoing basis. And that's why those numbers look the way that they look the way that they do. So um, and just like cold, hard measurements, those are two of the key ones that we like to measure both on the revenue side and then just on the getting the customer feedback side, their, their sentiment, if you will, with an MPS. And how do you know if you're hiring someone there, if they're going to be good? Oh, such a good. Oh, I mean, different. Yeah, very, very good. Curveball. Oh, you're curveball. Oh, I was gonna say, you look, you look proud of yourself. Well, I, uh, 
I'm just trying to bring people into the real conversation because you and I have talked about this, and I I know that yeah, there there yeah. is an answer. So what what's the answer? Hi- hiring somebody for customer success. Yeah. That's what, yeah. Yeah. How do you how do you hire a good person in customer success? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I how do you, because yeah. I think also in many cases, especially if something's new, like so if someone's if someone's listening, yeah. they're doing t- tons of customer success already. They hopefully they'll pull some pieces from this that they haven't tried or thought about whatever. But if they haven't. Yeah. And like you're gonna, you think maybe you should make an investment. Well, what if you hired the wrong people? Yeah. Like, and uh, so was yeah. it that customer success didn't work, or was it that they had the wrong people? Like, how would I guess how would you guide people to try to find folks who you think will be most successful in a customer success role? Yeah, and you're gonna love this answer. It depends, uh, and it depends. <laughs> All right, let's end this here. It depends on the motion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not a complicated. No, I know, depends. I know. Um, it depends in the sense of if uh, your customer success organization is going to own revenue, that is a different profile of a, of a uh, customer success person. They have a different skill set that they're going to need to be able to effectively do that. Um, if your customer success organization is focused, uh, don't ha- like don't own revenue, and instead they're focused on uh, providing customers value, driving product adoption, essentially setting up the conditions for which yeah. <laughs> that uh, that customer is going to grow. Those are very different different motions. Um, but at the end of the day, I think a good customer success person needs to be able to deal with ambiguity really well. Needs to be able to kind of think on their feet. Needs to have solid project management skill set because you're you're essentially you're basically your customer's consultant. Right, you're their advocate within the company. You're their strategic consultant related to your, you know, related to your product. And so you need to be able to kind of outline plans for that customer to reach their goals, and then kind of hold them accountable to hitting those milestones and those goals and helping them along the way. So I think project management is a key component. First and foremost, they've got to have customer empathy. They need to geek out and deeply love engaging with and talking to and building relationships with with customers um, and being able to build that that rapport in a really human way. We talk a lot around Wistia about um, differentiating through a human brand and a human experience. And that really needs to show up in your CSMs and the in the profile and things that they that they have. Um, and that is just sort of business acumen. Um, they need to be able to understand kind of the business world and their customers' world, and and be able to translate how your product fits within that um, that larger ecosystem. So those are some of the things that that I typically look for when I am when I'm hiring folks. They got to be sharp. They got to be sharp. They got to be. I sharp. I was waiting for the got- Sylvie comment. I just knew for some reason, Sylvie, you're going to come in right here. <laughs> it's funny because, like, I think in another universe, in another lifetime, like. I could really, I could really see myself in customer success because I, I have the empathy piece. I have the empathy piece down. Yeah. Business acumen, I don't know. No. (laughs) 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 But I mean, it does sound like you have to be like in lockstep with so many other teams when you're part of the customer success team. Is there one team that like stands out to you? Like if you guys don't have a solid relationship with this department, like time to time to take a, a good hard look in the mirror. I'm going to say product. A lot of CS folks would say sales and sales is very important, but that also depends on your business model. Um, 
So products, if you don't have a tight relationship with the folks that are getting information and insights from your customers and the people that actually need it to build the thing, you're not going to go far. That's not going to work super well. And so it it's definitely one of the first things I focus in on whenever I uh, join a company and build in a CS work from scratch. That That's the relationship I want to focus in on first. And have you had any like any big customer success wins over the last few months? Yeah, I mean, there's been a ton. Our product team has been on fire lately. Um, the team's been super excited about live, very excited about um, some of the editing features that we've that we've got. Um, I mean, those are I think those are two of the like biggest ones that the team has been super excited about. But the cool thing is that the literally every two weeks the team is shipping something. And so we have the very enviable, again, if you're a CSM person, you're having discussions with your customers. They're telling you, yeah, we'd really love to grow with you, but you don't have X, Y, Z. That's a tough position to be in as a CSM. And when you're able to go back, give that feedback and say, hey, that thing that you wanted was like going to unlock your growth. We've got that now. That's huge. Um, And so that's been a, a really, really powerful and energizing thing for the for the team. Comes with challenges. Also, right? If we're getting real here, like we should talk what? about that because <laughs> I think that's I, <laughs> because I think like we've talked on the show a lot about pace and it's kind of come up and yep. been focused on that. And we really have increased pace a lot, but like there are some downsides. Like, wh- what do you see them talk about the complexity there? I think is what would be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't call it a downside. I call it a, uh, they're just challenges. Challenges. That can go along yeah. With better, that, ter- right? better term. Yeah. For sure. So what we've seen is, you know, the team is delivering a ton at the same time that uh, your customer facing teams need to be able to support what's being what's being delivered. And so they need to know, hey, this new cool thing that we're delivering, how do I, you know, how do I talk about it? How does it work? Right. How do I technically support it? What are the benefits of it? Kind of need to know the ins and outs of it. Um in a, uh, in a deep way, how do I demo it? <laughs> right. Um, and so the faster that's happening, it just means the more enablement, right. Uh, time that needs to, uh, take place for those, for those customer facing teams. And so I think that's one of the things that we're, you know, uh, working through now, honestly, right. Um, which is a lot of new stuff. The team's excited and is energized to figure out the motion of how do we get more effective at enabling the teams to be able to support all this cool stuff that's coming out so that nothing gets missed, right? You don't miss that opportunity of, you know, being able to have that that conversation with the customer who you know would benefit from it. Yeah, I think it's the broadening of use cases is like amazing. And it yeah. now mm-hmm. means, oh, so if you're using us for live events, and you're also using us for all the videos on your site. And maybe you're using us for some recording and editing stuff. Well, there, all those things are changing every two weeks. So it's like, which thing do you yeah. focus on? And it's obviously an enviable position to be in. I'm thankful to be in this position, but it does this challenge. It's kind of, it's a Great. different version of the challenge we're talking about before of like people yeah. coming in, what is their intention? How do we help them be successful? Yeah. Now they're in. There's all these different directions they can go in. Which direction should we try to make the most sense to help them be even aware they could go in at any moment? Yeah, indeed. Another opportunity that presents is the more that you're releasing, inevitably, I mean, you're always trying to do it in a very seamless, simple way. 
but the more complex your product becomes over yes. time, there's more that you could do with it, which is, which is great. Again, these are all enviable problems to have, but it does mean that things that get a little bit more complex and need, uh, need more thought, you know, put around and stuff, the more that you're releasing. What's your advice for other companies that are facing the kind of speed pacing challenge? You know, if you have a lot of stuff going on, um, how do you think they should think about it? Or if they don't, like, let's talk about both. Like, if there isn't a lot changing, yeah. how do you, how should you be working with customers versus when there is? Yeah, uh, I'm going to tackle the first one first, because there's all sorts of uh, issues if you're not releasing frequently. <laughs> uh, the, that's going to be challenging for you. So in that environment, um, I'd give some specific examples of some of the things that um, that we've done here and that have done at other other companies is really engage, uh, depending on the size company that you are, but let's assume that everybody's got limited resources. <laughs> um, being able to take some of your support folks, for example, folks that deal with customer calls all day, every day, and pairing those folks with your product teams, they start to be able to not only give direct feedback on different areas of the products, uh, which is super helpful and kind of embedding them essentially with your, um, with your product teams. They're also understanding what's coming down the line more quickly. And they are able to, in an effective way, serve as a conduit to the rest of the team to start to create some of those enablement materials, give the support team and others the heads up, hey, this new feature is coming out, here's how to think about it. And it's a really good way with relatively limited resources to scale and manage the, the pace of product releasing that, that quickly. Um, and that's something that is working well and that we're leaning a lot more into. And I've seen very, you know, very effectively work in other, um, other areas as well. Because typically enablement falls like on one person, you know, you're the enablement person. <laughs> it's one person's job to do that. And that just doesn't scale very, very well. So it's really about activating, empowering and engaging um, your frontline folks to play a deeper role um, in some of their own enablement. And it can be super energizing for those teams. Yeah, I feel like the Slack channels, when you see people sharing, like, I explained this to this customer in this way using this deck at this time. And everyone's like, oh, sweet. And then they take it and it gets, you know, then everyone all starts doing that. It's just like this little engine of constantly trying to improve the communications, which is really important with all this new stuff. And also, because if you're not communicating it, often people don't know that it exists or how it's been improved, especially if the changes are not uh, their backend changes, not front end changes, all those different things. And then you, t you said it's not yeah. a great position to be in if you're not shipping. Um, what should someone do there? <laughs> <laughs> They're really, if somebody is not shipping, that means that you've got to get the most out of what you already have. Um, and so that is where you really need to be leaning into your human led approach with your with your customer base, um, leading with deep empathy, because you're going to be getting feedback that you're not going to be able to respond on, right? And so you've got to get really good at your messaging and how you can help customers in other ways outside of your product, whether that's, you know, services, consulting, you need to be able to get creative with how you provide additional value to them outside of just, just the product. That's great advice. And also a hard position. So good luck to you if you're in that position. <laughs> indeed. Um, indeed. Indeed. We've definitely been there at moments in time. And it's not fun. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Danielle, I think last thing that would be great to hear, what's like really hard about 
customer success? Like what's, what's the hardest part of this type of work? I think the hardest part is, I think the hardest part is really rallying around the idea that customer success is everybody's job in the company. Um, it's the hardest and it's, it's the most rewarding when you get it right. Um, I think that's the biggest piece when you're able to, you see so many companies, everybody wants to be customer centric, right? Everybody says that it's tagline kind of yeah. a thing, but there's very few companies that understand how to actually operationalize that. How do you make that real? And usually what ends up showing up in your customer's experience, you expose your underlying organization to your customers when you have an, a disjointed and not seamless experience. And so being able to bring that together which means a lot of cross-functional work and communication, um, shared goals that align around and center around your customer is really, really important. And it's really hard <laughs> to, to do that. Um, it's hard to get in that motion in so many senses because it's not a traditional way of operating a business. We're all very used to operating and this is sales, this is your swim lane, you do this and that's all you do. CS, you do this, product marketing. And so being able to bring all of this together and provide everybody with a clear understanding of what the full customer journey is. And everybody understands that they have empathy around what that, you know, what that is um, and what our customers' needs are, and then can kind of take that back with their teams and have regular, you know, cross-functional mechanisms to sync up and align on the work that you're doing. That's the stuff that is hard, but it also delivers um, really good results. And in the end is creating a really seamless experience for your customers. I love that. And can be energizing to work in that yeah. way. Well, I mean, I think that's, I think that's a great takeaway for everyone, which is if, you know, if you want to invest in this, this is something that the company has to invest in and, company, and totally. everybody has to invest yep. in. Um, and ultimately the result is like a better, a much better customer experience with every human touch, but also, you know, it's people on product understanding what to build with more confidence next. It's people on marketing, having more insight into like how to get the messaging right. So that it's resonating in the right way. It's folks on sales, having those success stories and the right enablement from a really wildly successful customer. I bring that to someone who is a prospective customer like, Hey, this is what's actually possible. So it's a great way to end. Yeah. Um, Danielle, thanks for so much for coming on the show and opening up one of our conversations that normally would have just been not recorded. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, this was yeah. fun. Um, where, where can people connect with you um, if they want to learn more? Yeah, they can hit me up on LinkedIn if they want to, yeah, if they want to chat and geek out about all things customer success. Perfect. Thanks, Danielle. And I will see you soon. All right. Thanks. So did you know what customer success was before this? we did this episode? You know, it's interesting. I think I, I, it's a term that's that feels like it's more recent, right? Like I, I, I know what mm -hmm. customer support is. Um, and I've certainly been seeing customer success more and more. I don't know that I knew it on like a granular level, but I know that feeling of feeling successful as a customer. Mm -hmm. So I had that. Yeah. And then I thought Danielle broke it down so poignantly, especially in her last uh, point where she was saying that it's really like the company, like the whole company has to be part of customer success in order for it to work. 
And that like, that stood out and is like, yeah, yeah, it actually does. Yeah. It's an interesting thing because it's like you, obviously everyone wants your customers to be successful, but do you have anybody, anything talking to customers who are successful proactively about what it is they're trying to do next? What I mean, issues that, they're yeah. running into? And I think there's a lot of products we all use that there's some problem with and we keep using it. If someone talked to us and asked you what's the problem, you'd tell them and they would just make your experience better and you'd use the product more. You'd tell more people about it. You'd expand your usage of it. I think it's pretty easy to think about that in our own experiences. Totally. But when you think about what it takes to get to that person, it's hard. Yeah. And that's also, I think, partially why it's valuable. Like it's it's hard to get in that conversation, but if you haven't, you have the relationship, it, you can compound from those insights to have, build a better product, build a better experience, um, have better messaging, all the things that come from really knowing your customer really well. Totally. And I think that's something she distilled really well is that there's so much opportunity on the success team and on the customer success side to be proactive in your communication. And that just comes from, you know, exactly what you said, like knowing those customers, knowing what their pain points are, knowing what their needs are. And I found that super fascinating. There's also the message that Danielle shared in there around what do you do in these hard times is like, you need to find your existing customers and need to help hold them. Hold them. Yeah. Be, you need to hold on to them, but like really help them be more successful, solve more problems for them. Totally. Like I and meant like metaphorically hold them. I understood. Yeah. yeah. yeah I got it. Yeah. <laughs> you got it? <laughs> yeah. Unless it's like a baby holding service or something. I assume we're talking about just like holding them close. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. You all right? You good? I'm good. Okay. <laughs> it's like we got each other. We didn't get each other, but we got each other. We're there. We're, We're good. There. We're there. Classic. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was another <laughs> That was another great one. Great to start off the year with just at least great interviews and chaos between you and me. That you seems know, like... That's, that's what we're here for. That's so what we do best. For. That's what we do best. All right. If you're listening to Talking Too Loud, if you're one of those loud talkers out there or quiet listeners or loud listeners or whatever you are, um, <laughs> please don't forget to rate and review the show. It really helps get the word out to other folks. The more the show gets out there, the easier it is for us to get better guests, bring more folks on here, tackle new topics. Speaking of that, if you have feedback, ideas, folks you want us to interview, uh, questions, whatever, you can always email us at ttlpod at wistia.com or you can find us on Twitter, I'm C. Savage. Sylvie's give me the loot, obviously. And we're both <laughs> on LinkedIn. And we'd love to hear from you. Amazing. And I think that about wraps it up. Did the helicopter. That's so, good. Yeah. That's for people watching. If you're watching, hello. <laughs> if you're watching. Okay. okay. You see, if you're watching, new background. No more box. No but more box. a sword? Correct. Cool. Yeah. It's a replica of Charlemagne. It's not a big deal. All right. I'll see you soon, Sylvie. Bye. Talking Too Loud is brought to you by Wistia. Hosted by Chris Savage. Produced by me, Sylvie Lubau, along with Adam Day. Executive produced by Wistia Studios. This episode was mixed by Maria Passingham of Edit Audio. Listen to Talking Too Loud wherever you listen to podcasts. And hey, rate and review us wherever you listen. And check out more content from Wistia Studios at wistia.com.